0: Welcome to another edition of Opera for Everyone. I'm Pat Wright, your host, and I'm joined today by
1: Kathleen Vanderwill,
0: our frequent guest (laughs) co-host,
1: who I turn to for the
0: literary help, especially
1: when it's Faust.
0: Kathleen, we're going to make it completely worthwhile for you to have read Goethe.
1: I am getting more out of Goethe than I ever expected to.
0: Well, there's a lot there. Right, because we've already done La Damnation de Faust by Hector Berlioz,
1: Yes, and we also did Massenet's Verter. That was our, our first foray into something Goethe-related.
0: Oh, early, early young Goethe. <laughs> so if you're curious about the Faust, which was about a little more than a decade before this one, the one by Berlioz, La Damnation de Faust, you can listen to Opera for Everyone podcast episode number 76. Kathleen and I cover that. And we may, in fact, refer to that a couple of times as we go through this particular Faust by Charles Gounod and this one's just called Faust.
1: Yes so if you listen to that one you may have some repetition but since it's a famous story I think it's it's good for us to go over it again.
0: And it, it's all new music totally different composer totally different librettists same initial source material but but Kathleen I feel like this one maybe went through a few more intermediate steps than the Berlioz.
1: Yeah, so Berlioz took his libretto more directly from the Goethe play. He did change some things, or his librettist did change some things, notably the ending. But this came through a sort of curious method of transmission. Michel Carre wrote a play that's called Faust et Marguerite, which pretty much disappeared or has disappeared. People don't really know about it or read it anymore. Right, Faust Um, and
0: Marguerite are two main characters, well, yes, really focusing on our
1: main characters, <laughs> mm-hmm, really focusing on those two, the love story between these two characters in in that play. And he was really influenced by Berlioz's libretto version of Faust. Oh, um, Gounod was? Yes. Or or Carré? Both. So so Gounod, my understanding is Gounod really liked what Carré had done, taking Berlioz's libretto and... Keeping the different ending, one of the things we'll we'll see is that the ending is different in both Berlioz and in Gounod from the original play by Goethe, but also really liked the way that Carré focused it on our two lovers more than the other characters.
0: Right, yeah, there's some exquisite scenes. This is, this is a beautiful French opera. So this opera premiered at the Théâtre Lyrique in Paris in 1859. And it, it, it premiered as what we would call an opera comique because the recitatives were spoken rather than sung. But in pretty short order, Gounod went ahead and gave accompaniment to the recitatives. And 10 years after its premiere at the Théâtre Lyrique, it becomes actually, for that period, it becomes a grand opera at the Paris Opera. And Gounod reworks various pieces of it including adding in a huge, beautiful ballet scene, which was part of, yeah, I know, (laughs) which was part of the expectation at the Paris Opera. And it was a smashing success at the Paris Opera, this, this Faust. In fact, it was for many, many decades, it was the most produced opera, not just in Paris, but internationally.
1: Well, I mean, it's got it's got everything you could possibly want, so that makes sense to me. A deal with the devil, doomed lovers—it's perfect opera,
0: and just exquisite music. In fact, here's just a few more little tidbits on that. In the span of a hundred years from its premiere at the Paris Opera, it had six separate new productions mounted, and by the time Gounod died in 1893, there were over 1,000 performances at the Paris Opera. And the New York Metropolitan Opera, not to be left out of the statistics here, when they opened their new opera house in 1883, it was Faust, which was the opera which was the grand premiere for this new Metropolitan Opera House in New York City. Wow. Of course, one little tidbit is that (laughs) it's a French opera, yes, but because opera is supposed to be Italian, they premiered it in Italian. Interesting. Also in London, when it premiered in 1863, Faust was premiered sung in Italian rather than French.
1: Well, I guess it's a good thing it was translated from, from one romance language to another, German to French to Italian. But that is quite a journey.
0: Yeah, we're, we're, these days we don't really translate our operas as much. Oh, in fact, I've got this wonderful little quote that Edith Wharton said when she was observing this grand opening of the New York Metropolitan Opera House, because the great soprano, Christine Nielsen, sang the role of Marguerite, and Edith Wharton said, it is an unalterable and unquestioned law of the musical world requiring that German text of French operas sung by Swedish artists should be translated into Italian for the clearer understanding of English-speaking peoples.
1: Wow, what a different world.
0: She was in on the joke. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is absurd in some ways, isn't it? It is. But that's, you know, that's how people enjoyed their opera. They expected it to be in Italian. And I, I don't know that New Yorkers spoke Italian more than they would have spoken French, but
1: Italian is the,
0: the language of opera.
1: Mm. I have to say that one of the things when I was watching this and, and reading about it too is this is the first time when I've been on an, an opera podcast episode with you and and really felt like I was in the world of Phantom of the Opera.
2: Ah. Uh, <laughs> because yes.
1: that book and 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 musical is really talking about this period of opera this grand the the ballet the premieres in Paris it really felt like for the first time I was like oh this is really what they would have been the type of thing they would have been performing
0: right and this is actually even a little more scaled down than the height of grand opera it Mm -hmm. doesn't have yeah it has a big chorus and it has choral pieces but it doesn't have these just huge tableau and Mm -hmm. it doesn't have as much of the grandeur of some of the quintessential grand operas but but it is pretty grand. It does have the ballet. <laughs> there is a big chorus. But it's on the it's on the waning end of that trend mm. in Paris. So maybe we'll do some more even grander <laughs> operas so you can really feel it.
1: Yes, the grander the better. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, Jules Barbier and Michel Carré are the two who wrote the libretto for this. If those names sound at all familiar to you as a regular listener, it's because they also wrote... The libretto for Gounod's *Romeo and Juliet*, and they wrote the libretto for *Hamlet* by Thomas. Michel Carré wrote a lot of plays as well. Barbie, they Mm -hmm. were just—they were the go-to librettists if you wanted a successful opera. They did beautiful work.
1: And they—one of the people they worked with was Jules Verne, if I'm not mistaken, who became really famous as a science fiction writer. I'm sure people will recognize his. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea and, and fun things like that, also was, was a writer with them in that time.
0: Yeah. So tell us about this opera. How does it begin? <laughs> get, get us up to speed on the story so we can listen to some of this gorgeous
1: music by Gounod. Of course. We've kept you in suspense long enough. So this opera begins with Faust, our aging scholar. He has decided that... His life has no meaning because he has spent all of this time trying to gather knowledge and instead has missed out on things like pleasure and love. And he has decided he's wasted his life and he's going to kill himself. So we actually start on a very dark note. Yeah. He is, he is ready to, to throw in the towel and he hears this beautiful music. He hears people who are alive and having pleasure in the world, but it feels remote to him. And so he almost kills himself, almost drinks poison twice, but keeps being interrupted by this angelic music of, of happiness and life. And finally, he can't do it. And he, he prays to the devil to to come help him, to come figure out what he's supposed to do with the rest of his life.
0: Wow. Praying to the devil, that's uh, playing with fire.
1: Well, yes, especially because the devil appears. <laughs> Poof. And there he is. <laughs> That is all it takes. All you have to do is, is want it enough and he will appear. And
0: Faust is a bit
1: surprised. But he he takes it in stride and decides that he's going to take advantage of this situation. The devil, who in this is Mephistopheles, is his name, shows Faust immediately this very tempting image of a beautiful woman, Marguerite, sitting at her spinning wheel.
0: But you know what I love? Even before he shows this woman at the spinning wheel, the devil wants to point out how stylish he is, how well-dressed he is. (laughs) This is true. I embody the good life, Dr. (laughs) Faust.
1: It's true. And he
0: asked Faust what it is he wants and offers him riches and glory.
1: Yeah, and, and this is to reference a little bit the Berlioz. In that version, this is much more drawn out. Mephistopheles tries out a bunch of different things on Faust to see what's going to work, what's he going to want. So shows him drinking and good life, and, and Faust is unmoved. But here, he just offers it to him in this speech, but seeing that Faust isn't, isn't really that excited about it, he says, well, I think I know what you want. How about I show you this, this vision of this beautiful woman?
0: And he likes it very
1: much. He does. One of the focuses of this scene is Faust's age. He's presented as bent over and and really at the end of his life. And one of the things that he longs for is to to redo his life, to have another chance and to be young again. And Mephistopheles, as you noted, comes in dressed like a peacock and is young and swaggering. The devil appears in a tempting form and he offers... (laughs) (laughs)
0: What else would you expect?
1: (laughs) Exactly. And he offers Faust exactly what he wants, which is youth and a chance to try again. And so Faust takes him up on it. The bargain, of course, is you don't get this for free. Faust will have to pay for it later. But he decides to make this bargain and drinks a goblet of elixir that turns him into a young and handsome gentleman.
0: Ah, but before he drinks the elixir... Mephistopheles insists that he sign the parchment.
1: Mm, yes, so we've talked about what a Faustian bargain is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's something that's really entered our lexicon. And it's it refers to this moment, that there's always something that you have to, to give up in order to get what you want. So he does, he signs away his soul. He sells and, his
0: soul to the devil, for sure. And he's young
1: mm. and handsome again and sets off into the world to, to seek this beautiful woman. So we're going to listen to a little bit of that. We're going to listen to some of the exchange between the seductive Mephistopheles and Faust.
0: And as you're listening, the tenor here is Faust, Dr. Faust, and the bass baritone is the devil, Mephistopheles
3: a moi les pésils, les jeunes a moi a moi le désir, a moi l'énergie des et a I
0: You're listening to Opera for Everyone, and that was Faust and the devil, Mephistopheles, uh, making their plans to give Faust what he wants now, and in the long run, the devil gets what he wants.
1: (laughs) It's true. All Faustian bargains are somewhat (laughs) (laughs) short-sighted. Somewhat.
0: Somewhat. And others may be drugged down in the process, but we haven't gotten there quite yet. (laughs) Act two commences, and we get one of my favorite set pieces in opera, The Drinking Song.
1: Yes, the the song to Bacchus. We always like our songs to Bacchus. <laughs> yeah,
0: we've got students, we've got soldiers, we've got matrons and burgers and young girls, and everyone's just out having a good time.
1: Yeah, I mean... It- all good, all good musical endeavors have a song like this. I'm quite convinced. Um, <laughs> I mean, think about Beauty and the Beast. What is the most fun song? It's Gaston, which is this is this is the Gaston of Faust. <laughs>
0: for everyone and you've just met all the townsfolks in Charles Gounod's Faust. Faust has made his bargain with the devil and now he's looking to reap the benefits of what he's signed. And we've heard the the villagers, but we're gonna meet two particular people in the village that we haven't met yet. We're gonna meet Seibel and Valentin. And who are they, Kathleen?
1: So Valentin is a young soldier who's about to go off to war. And he is the brother of Marguerite, who we've mentioned before, is the main soprano love interest in the opera, who we're going to meet just a bit down the road here. But Valentin is her brother, and he is going to war, as I said, so he entrusts the care of Marguerite to his friend, whose name is Zybel. Zybel is very enamored of Marguerite, so is probably very happy to be given the charge of taking care of her.
0: Zybel is a trouser roll.
1: <laughs> and and Pat, this is my first experience with a trouser roll.
0: Welcome to the world of opera, Kathleen.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've really finally made it.
0: All right. So for those of you where tra- the, the concept of trouser roll is unfamiliar, it's a very common feature of operas for young men to be played by women. Generally, it's a mezzo-soprano who does it. And this is the role that Saibel is. It's a way of conveying that youth lack of maturity. Probably my favorite role in all of opera, which is a trouser role, is Carabino from Marriage of Figaro by Mozart, Mm. who is just an impish young man, very, (laughs) very much randy and in love with the girls. It doesn't mean because they're young they're not in love with women. Oftentimes they're desperately in love, and they're just figuring it out how it all works
1: but probably it's an indication that Zybel maybe isn't going to be successful in his his love suit as he's being portrayed as, as sort of immature i imagine
0: you imagine or perhaps you've she's in the
1: opera <laughs> she's looking for a real man
0: <laughs> uh, yes marguerite will be looking for a, a real man and to her chagrin she'll find him
1: <laughs> oh goodness All right. poor lady
0: and and now we have valentin her brother who must go off and do his duty as a soldier singing about how he loves his town and how he loves his sister and how he he's sort of entrusting her to Zible, but he's also entrusting her to god
1: Yeah, there's a bit of an undertone here in the fact that we've come into this really raucous drinking scene, and we know the devil is sort of just off stage, because we just met him, that Valentin's concern that someone needs to be looking out for Marguerite gives you an indication that maybe this is a society that doesn't treat single women on their own with a lot of respect, that there's some kind of not danger, but having somebody watch out for her is a good, good thing. His language is very patriotic, it's very elevated, and he has this beautiful song.
0: for everyone and this is Gounod's Faust and we have just heard the brother of our sweet soprano Marguerite begging God to look after his sister because he is endangering his life in service of his country all of the people of the town are gathered together in the town square and into their midst appears the well-dressed Mephistopheles, (laughs) the devil
1: Yes, and, and they're ready for him. As I said, they've, they've been drinking and carousing, and Mephistopheles comes in, and he manages to just elevate the mood to be even more frenzied and extreme, which is, is part of what he does. He takes human weaknesses or human desires, and, and he makes them extreme and, and dangerous. So one of the ways that you can compare this opera and the Berlioz, which we will do a lot of (laughs) throughout this podcast just because we did talk about both of them.
0: Right, the Berlioz, Um, Domination of Faust.
1: (laughs) Yeah, is it around this time in... La Damnation de Faust, there's a song, a sort of comedic song about a flea, the sort of body Aesop's fable type of song that takes the place of the body drinking song. Right, and he
0: sings it in the context of all of the people who are drinking around him.
1: Right, so it's a really similar scene. But here we get a different kind of song. It's called Le Veau d'Or, The Golden Calf, and it is the much darker, richer, more sort of fire and brimstone type of song. It, it seems much more religious in its references. It has
0: biblical underpinnings.
1: Right, so it's it's a reference to the story of the golden calf. In order to worship a pagan god, in the Old Testament there's this story of people who, who make a golden calf. They take all their gold and they melt it down they make this statue, this idol. And one of the things, if you remember your Sunday school, is God says, you cannot worship anything except me. You should not be worshiping idols. And so this is their way of, of sort of thumbing their nose at that and they get duly punished for it. And that is the reference in this song is Mephistopheles is, is coming down in favor of please make some golden calves and, and worship them.
0: Yes, he's, he's celebrating the triumph over God,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is what he's all about. And they all jump in, the chorus jumps in and says, and Satan leads the dance. They're on board, at least in terms of the drinking and the singing.
1: And there's a, a fantastic scene while he's singing, Mephistopheles is singing this song indirectly in after where Valentin comes in and he's the, the noble man and he wants to defend Marguerite's honor. There's a, a point in this piece where Mephistopheles maligns Marguerite's honor a little bit oh. because she's... She's the pretty young woman without protection, and Valentin still hasn't left yet. And he does this fantastic thing where he sees that Mephistopheles is, is the devil, and he takes his sword, and he, he tries to make a cross. <laughs> like well, hold. because
0: they've been dueling, fighting. Right. He go, goes to his soldier's practice of defending her mm-hmm. with his weapon. Yep. Mephistopheles is able to break the weapon, mm-hmm. so he's going to be defeated.
1: can't raise a sword against the devil quite easily. No, but what can you raise? You can raise a cross. (laughs) And he backs Um, off. He does back off. The version I saw from the Royal Opera House had this as sort of a comedic scene on mephistopheles part where he pretends to be warded off by the cross but also Uh, kind of laughs at it like don't you know that's for vampires not for me (laughs) you know kind of this idea where he shrinks from it dramatically but is laughing at them and their old superstitions but yeah so he really takes this moment of drunken revelry and turns it into this satanic ritual almost
0: yeah well he's he's having a good time being the devil So let's listen to the Devil's Song about the Golden Calf.
3: d'un bout du monde à l'autre
4: bout
3: pour fêter l'infamie dans le roi ces peuples confondus au bruit sombre des écus dans cet une monde fort autour de son bienestar we oh. it. Oh. Oh. Avec un tumultueux, il contemple l'orage étrange. À ses pieds, le genre humain se rit aux ferro-mains, dans le sol et dans la forge, où brille l'or de métal.
0: Mephistopheles entertaining the townspeople in Gounod's Faust. The devil has come to town and he's ready for fun. <laughs> and now that he's introduced himself to the town, we have Faust entering. And Faust remembers very clearly that image that Mephistopheles showed him of the beautiful young woman Marguerite valentine's sister
1: and there's a lot of other beautiful women around that mephistopheles has attracted but it is only marguerite that faust has eyes for as soon as she comes in faust says here she is this is her he's found the love of his life
0: right which is sweet but well it's sweet but it's a little dangerous i mean don't you feel uncomfortable when that is happening because faust will finally see her in the flesh not just Mm -hmm. this image And he instantly goes up to her and he calls her a lovely young lady. And she says, no, no, I'm not a lady and I'm not lovely. She brushes him off, basically. But of course, that only intrigues him more because he sees her as a virtuous woman.
1: Yes, it's true. It is true that in a lot of the the operas we've done, especially the ones with, with Goethe origins, it appears that There's a certain type of woman that our hero is always attracted to, and (laughs) modesty and self-effacement are two of the key characteristics. One of the things we'll talk about a little bit later, not too far from now, is one of the things that that Faust is really attracted to about Marguerite is her simplicity and her beauty. Mm -hmm. But it is necessary, given his bargain, that he draw her into his corrupted life in order to be with her. And that is always the tension with a Faust-Marguerite love story. You can't love her for her purity and also want to destroy that purity at the same time. But of course, that that is truly what he wants.
0: Well put, absolutely. He, He loves what he sees, but more than just admiration from a distance
1: will destroy her. It's true. If he truly loved her, he would have left her alone.
0: Yeah, well, he's already made his bargain with the devil, so that's not going to (laughs) happen. Shouldn't
1: expect that much from him.
0: (laughs) Honestly. But I have to tell you, I love this piece at the very end of the second act. We've got the chorus. You've got waltz music. It's it's just sumptuous in Mm -hmm. all of our voices.
1: It is. It's beautiful. And the lyrics are all about pleasure and just spinning in place and enjoying the moment as the world rushes by you. I love the way that this really fulfills that desire Faust has at the beginning for pleasure. He talks about how he's he's missed out on love and pleasure, and Marguerite fulfills that love aspect of it, but he also gets you know he wants to just dance he wants to be a young man who's beautiful dancing with these women with abandon and what a way to end the act <laughs>
0: For everyone, and you are listening to Charles Gounod's Faust. And we have just been with all the townsfolk waltzing around, and now we're ready for act three. And things become a little more intimate, a little quieter, not quite so many people on stage.
1: We zero in on a very different scene than what we just left, so it was this frenzied dance. But now we're going to zero in on one figure alone on the stage. In a garden, we have Zibel, who is thinking about the lovely Marguerite, just as Faust was thinking about her, but thinking about her in a much more pure and respectful way.
0: Yes, Zibel's the young man who has told the brother Valentin he will watch over her because he adores her in just this sweet, sweet way. And he sings this beautiful song. And just a reminder, this is a a trouser roll. So it's a woman playing the part of a young man.
1: Yes, this is a really beautiful song. It has a nice counterpoint to the irreligious aspect we just left. There is talk of holy water. He talks about this curse that's been put on him to not be able to hold flowers. But when he dips his hand in a a font of holy water in Marguerite's garden, it it fixes that for him and, and he can hold a flower. So we see the presence of of a higher power come back into the story at this point
2: What do you do?
0: From Gounod's Faust. The young man is desperately in love with the beautiful but simple Margarita and onto this scene walk Faust and his good friend the devil <laughs> Mephistopheles. <laughs> because it's true. Yeah Faust has seen the image and he he wants to possess her he's he believes he's fallen in love with her
1: yeah, and, and it's it's funny because you have the three of them here, so you've got Mephistopheles and Faust come in to see Zybel, and it's this perfect counterpoint, you know, on one side you have the innocent child who's got this this posy of flowers that he's gonna tie to her door and this promise to love her, and in the middle is the devil <laughs> and on the other side is the man who sold his soul to the devil, and they both desire her. But Zybel's love is so much more is so much more true and pure. It it is,
0: but Mephistopheles has has plans and he's got power. It's Faust true. gets annoyed with him because he he sees his cynicism is just a little too much, and he tells him to leave. And for once, the devil says, "Okay, fine, I'll go, I'll
1: leave." We don't think he's gone far. <laughs> no, he's he's watching these proceedings, but I do think it's important both in the La Damnation de Faust and this. Faust sees his love for Marguerite as real love. He doesn't see it as lust. He doesn't see it as taking advantage of someone just for pleasure. He actually sees them as true lovers. And I think that sincerity, and you can see that in his annoyance that there's a lack of sincerity in, in Mephistopheles. Right. That sincerity is important to the story because it makes what happens later <laughs> with the downfall of Faust and and what happens to Marguerite, it gives it more poignancy because if he was just a bad guy taking advantage of a lady, it would be sad, but this is much more tragic because he does actually care for her or believes that he cares for her.
0: Right, and at this point, he is just going to share with us all of these feelings that he's feeling and the excitement of, oh my, my whole being is in the grip of love. And he will repeatedly refer to her as chaste and pure. Yes. Interesting way to describe the woman you're trying to seduce.
1: Yeah. I mean, her purity is, is obviously part of the reason he's as attracted to her as we've talked about it before. But there's that dichotomy again. I want something pure so that I can destroy it. And it it fits with the metaphor of the flowers dying too. You know, right. Zybal tries to hold the flower and it dies in his hand. That's his curse. Well, that's also Faust's curse with Marguerite.
0: Right, and so we're about to listen to this song that Faust sings, which is absolutely exquisite, where he will tell us that he feels the presence of an innocent and holy soul And what wealth is in this poverty, what bliss in this humble cottage. He's very much romanticizing the fact that she is not wealthy, she is not regal, she's not all fixed up, but she just says nature created this beauty in her, and he even comes to the point where he calls her an angel of heaven, chaste and pure. I don't know, I feel like my heart is almost breaking already for this story. I mean, if we've not given enough hints or no spoilers in opera, it's just not gonna it's not gonna end in a happily ever after here. <laughs> mm,
1: nothing that begins with selling your soul to the devil ends in happily ever after.
0: No, no. You'd so think let's... people would learn. <laughs> <laughs> but that's why opera is for everyone. <laughs> so much to learn from opera. <laughs> All right, let's listen to Faust pour out his emotions regarding Margarita. for everyone and we've just heard Faust from Gunos Faust expressing how he's feeling about this lovely young woman. How is the lovely young woman feeling?
1: So she is still thinking about this handsome man that she just met and that encourages her to think about love and her conception of true and everlasting love and she sings this lovely song that is related to there's a similar song in the berlioz faust as well and in the source material so this has made it all the way through and it is about a king of thule
0: right and she keeps interrupting this song with her thoughts Mm -hmm. of this handsome stranger faust that she's met
1: yeah she can't get him out of her head
0: all right so we'll hear just a little bit of that before we go to the break point. Music to Opera for Everyone, a radio show and podcast that makes opera understandable, accessible, and enjoyable for everyone. I'm your host today, Pat Wright, joined by special guest co-host
1: Kathleen vandwell Opera for Everyone airs Sundays from 9 to 11 a.m. Mountain Time on 89.1 KHOL in Jackson, Wyoming. KHOL is Wyoming's only community radio station.
0: If you like what you hear, please subscribe to the Opera for Everyone podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. And when you go, you can find a rich trove of past episodes.
1: Stay with us. The second half of today's show is coming right up.
0: Welcome back to the second half of Opera for Everyone. I'm your host, Pat Wright, and I'm joined today by Kathleen Vanderwill. Hi, everyone. Kathleen, we are so grateful for your expertise and assistance with literary-based operas. And this is number two, Faust, and we're definitely doing at least one more.
1: (laughs) At least one, yes. (laughs) We'll do a whole series.
0: Well, it's an amazingly popular subject for opera treatment.
1: It's true. I mean, as I said at the, the beginning of the first half, I, I think it makes sense that it's got this tragic love story, it's got this really charismatic figure in Mephistopheles, but it does interest me that it became such a popular story because there's a lot of stories like this that you could do, but it's this one that's really stuck stuck in our society.
0: Well, you know, this concept of selling your soul to the devil, I mean, these are high stakes in this particular mm-hmm. opera. And it's got this female character who is quintessentially operatic in a way, this young woman who is mistreated by the world and is, in fact, helpless against these huge, powerful forces, but still retains a dignity of her own.
1: Mm, Yes, the Victorian ideal of the woman, (laughs) pure and innocent and patient in the face of great adversity.
0: Yes. All right, we will get to what we like to call the opera helmet quiz, but in the case of Kathleen, it may just be a quick recap. (laughs) But before we do that, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the recording that we're listening to. This recording was made in 1991 with the Orchestra of Toulouse, Michael Plasson conducting And the role of Faust in this recording, sung by Richard Leach, Margarita was sung by Cheryl Studer. Mephistopheles, José Van Damme. Valentin, the brother, was sung by Thomas Hampson. And Zybel, sweet Zybel, was sung by Martin Mahé. So thank you all for beautiful music. And now Kathleen. Just, if you would, please, recap (laughs) for us what's happened so far in the story, which is act one, act two, and part of act three.
1: Of course. So we have met our main character, Faust, right at the moment where he is thinking of ending his life. He is an aged scholar and thinks he's missed out on the world by reading books too much and not experiencing life. He prays to the devil to help him, and the devil appears, as happens in a story. And offers him the opportunity to basically relive his life, to have this beautiful woman of his dreams, to have pleasure, if he only sells his soul to him. Faust agrees. And then we go into this town that's full of revelry and drinking, and that becomes even more frenzied once Mephistopheles enters onto the scene. (laughs) The devil always makes for a good party. (laughs) A wonderful party. A bacchanal, perhaps we could call it. Yes. (laughs) And at this grand party, we meet Valentin, who is a young soldier about to go off to war and who has a beautiful sister, Marguerite, who happens to be the woman that Mephistopheles has promised to Faust. And we meet Zybel, the young man who is in love with Marguerite in this pure, innocent, yearning way, who has been entrusted to care for her by her brother Valentin. But... Forces have intervened, Bephistopheles and Faust appear on the scene. Faust attempts to gain Marguerite's favor. She spurns him, but he stays in her mind and she's thinking about him. And then Zeibel tries to sing this beautiful song of his love for Marguerite, but it's, it's, it's kind of doomed to fail because Faust appears on the scene once again, And we hear this beautiful song that Faust sings about why he loves this beautiful, pure Marguerite. But at the end of part one, you heard Marguerite singing about how she couldn't stop thinking about Faust and singing this beautiful love story. So we're about to pick up with her.
0: And one other just point to make, I believe, although you can answer this better than I can, Seibel is not a big role in the Goethe story.
1: No, no, um, there really isn't. Yeah, there really isn't a, a character that appears like this. And there really isn't in the Berlioz story either. Um, it's There's no real rival for Faust's affections, usually for Marguerite. So it's a bit interesting that they decided to add one in Gounod's story.
0: Yeah, it, it is a different complexion to the love story that that there is Mm -hmm. potentially this alternative although you get the sense she thinks of him as a little brother more than anything else.
1: Well it probably doesn't hurt that it's a mezzo-soprano singing of his love to her. Yeah (laughs) all right
0: well we're going to turn next to the song that Marguerite is going to sing when Mephistopheles
1: and Faust have done a little more scheming. Mm, yes, the beautiful and innocent Marguerite, who Faust loves for her beauty and her innocence, is about to be tempted, because Mephistopheles comes in, in the scene that we're about to see, with a case full of jewels, as the thing that is, of course, guaranteed to win any woman's heart. Pretty things are attractive. <laughs> yes, us girls, we just love the shiny things. <laughs> At least that's what Mephistopheles thinks. (laughs) Faust is not so sure, but we're about to see whether or not that scheme works.
2: Pourquoi je ne fais on rien de mal, je
4: suppose. Oh,
2: Dieu, que Ces mots me
0: à de
2: si justement au fond de la cassette Et ce que l'on a,
0: opera for everyone and that was marguerite's song about finding those jewels from her admirer
1: yeah it it turned out that mephistopheles was was right about the best way to a girl's heart because she seemed to be she seemed to be quite enamored of those jewels well she's not the kind of girl who,
0: who is given jewels very often
1: it's true uh it's clear that she's conflicted but she's swayed yeah so as she's looking at these beautiful jewels and so she's trying to decide what to do with them we have a couple of characters that come on the scene, kind of discover her in the midst of draping herself in diamonds.
0: Ooh.
1: So we obviously have our, our characters, Mephistopheles and Faust, which we haven't met before, but there's one character that we haven't met before. Her name is Marta. She is functioning as a guardian to Marguerite, but not really that effective a guardian. She is very materialistic and is trying oh. to push Marguerite towards accepting... The jewels and the the love of Faust because he's he seems to be a wealthy man.
0: Well she's not really the mother, she's not a relation of Marguerite and so she's not necessarily fully committed to the role of guardian.
1: Yeah she seems much more interested in what she can get out of the relationship and there's some funny comic relief where she goes after Mephistopheles and tries to get him into bed (laughs) <laughs> oh, because
0: maybe she'll get some jewels, too.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> while um, while Faust is trying to romance Marguerite, you've got this this hilarious duet between Mephistopheles and Marta. And Marta's after Mephistopheles, and he is super not interested.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's got other things on his mind. Although he could probably drag her down, too, if, if he wanted to. It's true. But then... Faust gets serious with with Marguerite and says, why are you always alone?
1: And Marguerite has a tale of woe here. She has real reason to be sad. We talked before about how her brother has gone off to war, has left her here alone, with Zybel as the guardian and Marta as official guardian, but not super effective.
0: Zybel being just barely teenaged. Yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: exactly. And... We, so we know Margarita is alone, but we learn more about the depth of that loneliness here. She has, her parents are gone, and her young sister, who she took care of for many years, has recently died too. So she is grieving the loss of her last remaining family members and is in a really vulnerable position here, which is part of why I'm sure she reacts to the duels the way that she does. She's not a wealthy person, and she's completely destitute, in terms of she has no protection really left now that her brother is gone. So it must have have seemed very attractive that a young man arrived with riches.
0: And even more than the jewels, the attentions of the young man. Mm -hmm. And he, having heard this confession of her loneliness, he really pushes it. He really takes advantage of it.
1: He does. He understands that her loneliness, both in the sense that she's lonely and in that she's unprotected, means that, it is likely she will accept him and frankly sleep with him. That's what he's trying to to get her to do. This is not a chaste love story for him. He wants to possess her.
0: That's what he told the devil he wanted. He wanted mm-hmm. to have the girls like he did when he was young. But <laughs> yes. she, And she gets, she gets a sense of this and she does what a good girl should do. It's late now. You should leave. Goodbye.
1: Mm. Yes, this, the scene here that follows is Marguerite trying to decide what she's going to do, whether she's going to let him in or not. But she is very adamant at the beginning that this is not right. She is happy that he has given her these attentions, but she has a kind of clarity of vision in this opera, which I, I haven't seen in her character in previous iterations. She is able to see through Faust. She gives in to him ultimately, but she also understands there's this side to his character that yeah. she needs to be wary of. And that's why it takes her so long to give in, I think.
0: And she even goes to the point of the old uh, pick a daisy and pull off the <laughs> petals one by one. He loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. And she ends on, he loves me. Yeah. Well, I gotta say, this duet coming up with the two of them is sublime. It is true seduction. Opera for everyone, and we're listening to the opera Faust by Charles Gounod. And uh, we've just heard a passionate seduction song. I'm not even going to call it a love song. It's a seduction song on the part of Faust, and Marguerite is is dealing with all these complex emotions. But you can see she's she's wanting to be with him.
1: She is, and at the end of of that love song, she does finally make him go away she pleads with him in fact and trying- he pleads he pleads in return <laughs> he does and she <laughs> she sort of pleads though in a way that it's almost it's heartbreaking right she pleads with him appealing to his honor and and putting forth her virtue and chastity and purity as things that he should be respecting and and pleading almost don't take that away from me yeah. She she wants him to make the right decision. She wants him to be the gentleman, and it almost seems like he's going to. He says yes. If you want me to leave, I'll leave. We'll talk tomorrow, etc.
0: Well, he does say yeah. He does relent, and she mm-hmm. goes
1: upstairs, and we think that's it.
0: But of course, there's another scene is character. closed. <laughs> there's another character on the scene. Yes. And that, when that character is the devil, there's only trouble.
1: mephistopheles <laughs> <laughs> always has to have the last word. He has to win. That's that's a key part of his character, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's the puppet master, and he needs to have things go the way he wants them to. And in this case, he has decreed they're going to sleep together.
0: And he doesn't have to do anything hugely dramatic here. It's just a tiny little push. And he, and he tells Faust, well, okay, she sent you away, but... Just stand underneath her balcony and listen to what she says to the stars.
1: Yes, just just spy on her, and I'm sure you'll hear something to your advantage. Which he does. And Marguerite sings this beautiful song about her feelings for Faust, and he, having heard this, all doubt is removed from his mind, and he knows that she is one, and that he is going to possess her. So he rushes to her window, reveals himself to have been listening the whole time, and this is just too much. Now that Marguerite knows he's heard her, she yeah. submits, and the devil witnesses this, and he he gets the last laugh. Literally, <laughs> he is, has this gorgeous, gleeful, evil laugh to end the act. <laughs>
0: ready for act four and things are not quite as romantic as they were at the end of act three with that seduction of marguerite by faust she is abandoned he is no longer on the scene for her
1: yes this opens and faust is gone mephistopheles is is gone it is just marguerite alone and pregnant
0: rough well there is a lot of beautiful music in this opera, and I, I can recommend it to everyone to listen to the full opera, but we're going to jump now to the scene in the church, which is so moving, where she is praying to God to help her, to save her. And of course, the devil shows up.
1: Yes, so this scene is really fantastic. Marguerite is, is expressing her face, she's praying for forgiveness, but instead of of getting divine intervention, Mephistopheles is back, the devil is back, and there's a wonderful juxtaposition between what he is saying and her prayers, because she has become pregnant and is abandoned, she is really outcast in her society, and the chorus makes it very clear that they all consider her to be a lost woman, that she is bound for hell, basically.
0: Yes. Mephistopheles ends the song by telling Marguerite, You are cursed and hell awaits you. <laughs> <laughs> Upper for everyone and well you just heard Marguerite being damned by the devil in Charles Gounod's Faust and now we're going to get back to to the village to the people of the place where Marguerite lives and there's a chorus of soldiers on stage but we see a familiar face.
1: Yes uh, Marguerite's brother Valentin has returned from war just in time to see her at her lowest point. So we have this beautiful soldier's chorus that comes in, that it heralds the meeting of Valentin and Marguerite, where he will see for the first time her shame. <laughs> ¶¶
0: for everyone and Kathleen before we continue on with our story we need to acknowledge some confusion for those of you who might in fact be familiar with this opera you might be thinking wait isn't the church scene at a different point in the progression of the story or where is this ballet
1: yes so Pat I know you and I both watch different versions of this to prepare and, and looking at the track list it seems that depending on the production and it seems Gounod did some of this too, some of the scenes, especially in Act 4, are shifted around a little bit. So I watched a version that opened with the church scene but there are also versions that close with the church scene and Mephistopheles' damning of Marguerite as the last scene in Act 4.
0: Yeah, we're just going to go with our track list as is on the recording that we're using, but just wanted to acknowledge for those of you listening, you may see some of these pieces in different orders. You might even see a production or listen to a CD with some of these items entirely omitted. And Gounod himself did that during the preparations for different opera house productions, so.
1: It's true. It it seems that there was much more freedom to omit or move things around than we're perhaps comfortable with these days, where there's much more fidelity to the way the author writes the text. That was not the case in Shakespeare's time. It was definitely not the case in the 19th century either.
0: Oh, right. Modern productions may differ, but that's because each of them has the stamp of approval of the composer, so... (laughs) There we have it. All right, so we've just had our Soldiers Chorus, which was rousing and much beloved, a very well-loved piece of music that's often played separately from this entire opera. But we're left back with Valentin and Zeibel, as Valentin is so thrilled to know that his sister has been praying for him. In fact, he's got around his neck a locket that she gave to him as a good luck charm, essentially a protection for him. And he reminds us how much this has protected him in all the dangers of war.
1: Yes, and it's quite a a shock to him that he's about to discover that the innocent woman that he left behind, the innocent sister, has gone through so much, she's been debauched. And one of the things to note about Zybel here is that Zybel is faithful to Marguerite. Throughout and actually begs Valentin to have mercy on her.
0: Yeah, he's he doesn't quite have the um, courage to tell him what's wrong.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Valentin says, "Well, what's wrong? What's wrong?" And Zeibel just says, "Have mercy! Have mercy!"
1: So Valentin rushes to see what's been going on with Marguerite, and while he is standing outside, Mephistopheles of course, has to intervene and make things even worse, if at all possible. Oh, yeah. So Mephistopheles sings this lover's serenade underneath Marguerite's window that he knows Valentin is going to hear, that is full of debauchery. Yeah,
0: he does stir up trouble, but I guess that's the devil's job, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) So clearly, once Valentin has gone in the house and seen his sister visibly pregnant, the words of Zybel fly out of his head, if he was ever thinking of considering them, there is no mercy. And he runs out, because and he, and he, he hears these this man serenading underneath his sister's window. And he wants to know, which one of you two is responsible for this?
1: Right, because it looks even worse. It's not just that she's there with one lover, she's there with two. She has one under the window and one inside, and she's pregnant. So Valentin pretty much loses his mind, doesn't listen to her. And so after
0: Valentin runs out to accuse them, we have an opportunity to hear a trio, which is one of my favorite pieces in the whole opera. Faust, Mephistopheles, and Valentin, all singing from their own perspective about this situation that Marguerite finds herself in. ¶¶
3: Mon camarade, pardon, ne serait pas pour vous qu'est la sérénade. que moi, je le sais. Ça vous You n'aimez donc pas la musique assez ah, toute l'heure. À oh, oh, qui de vous dois-je demander quoi, oui. de mon malheur et de ma honte? Oui. Qui de vous deux doit tomber sous mes Vous allô, 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 allô. le voulez, Allo. à vous, à vous, I'm The it
0: getting real now here on Faust at Opera for Everyone by Charles Gounod. We have just had the brother come out and demand satisfaction for the spoiled honor of his sister and Mephistopheles the devil is like whatever dude. Faust is horrified about the thought of having to fight a duel with a man who's just come back from the wars, a trained soldier Mm -hmm. and he's a formerly aged scholar and a scholar nevertheless. He's not really in any position to fight a duel, but Mephistopheles essentially winks at him and says, we got this.
1: Yes, so Faust is also, he doesn't want to fight the duel for that reason, but he also doesn't want to kill Marguerite's brother either because he does genuinely seem to care for her, even though he's quote unquote abandoned her. But fight- Not quote
0: unquote, (laughs) he abandoned her. He did abandon her. Don't cut him any slack.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's true, he is back, but that does not make it better. Um, So he he does, he fights this duel, and it reminds me a lot of the duel in Romeo and Juliet, where you've got Tybalt and Mercutio and Romeo, you've got this trio again, which results in exactly the same thing happening, where Mm. Mephistopheles goes to block a blow by Valentin, and that distraction means that uh, Faust is able to drive his sword home, and he mortally wounds Valentin.
0: But in true operatic style, he does not die instantly. No. His sister rushes to his side.
1: Well, you'd think this would be the time to forgive and forget as you go into the afterlife, but instead he uses his last breath to curse her.
0: Yes, all the while the townspeople who've gathered around this spectacle are begging him to show Christian mercy and Christian compassion towards his sister. But he doesn't.
1: No, he he dies cursing her, just as Mephistopheles cursed her earlier. So the poor woman has really been abandoned by absolutely everyone. Her lover, her brother, her family is dead. Marta is nowhere to be found, and she is alone. <laughs>
3: The heart of Si you give
1: Welcome to act five of Gounod's Faust. Things are starting to deteriorate rapidly. We have left the town and we are in a sort of magical world. We're in a cave. Faust and Mephistopheles are surrounded by witches and we have gone full supernatural here. Faust is being promised the love of the most beautiful women in history. Yeah. Because the devil's
0: trying to take his mind off of the heartbreak of what has happened to his former lover, Marguerite. Yes.
3: ni şor usamen o We <laughs>
0: for everyone and we are coming to the end of faust and we've just heard a little bit of the devil in his element and this i understand is the part of the opera that got expanded with the ballet when gounod needed to turn it into a grand opera to play at the paris opera house 10 years after its premiere at the theater lyric
1: yes so in some productions they omit this entirely but there's this i've heard it described orgiastic display. The ballet is very seductive. It's about these beautiful women that Faust is being offered. And Mephistopheles is is parading these in front of him to see if this will take his mind off of Marguerite.
0: He is certainly the devil. (laughs) He is,
1: isn't he? He's got all the fun tricks up his sleeve. But it doesn't work. Faust is not able to think about anything really except Marguerite and what he has done to her.
0: Should not have abandoned her. I stand my ground on that point
1: (laughs) yes we are against abandonment on this podcast (laughs) as dawn breaks faust has this vision of marguerite and calls out for her and mephistopheles sees that this is the thing he truly wants so he takes faust to see marguerite in prison now it isn't totally clear in the libretto why marguerite is in prison but most productions make it obvious that She has killed her baby.
0: She's given birth and then killed the baby. It's, yeah, the two productions that I watched this scene in don't leave it to the imagination. It's rough.
1: It's rough. And we talked a little bit about this before, but this opera really delves more into the character of Marguerite and takes her step by step in her destruction. And this is often played as the outcome of madness, that Faust leaving her, losing her brother, has driven her mad. She gave birth and killed the baby out of insanity. And now she is in prison, completely hopeless, and that's where Faust finds her.
0: for the final piece of Gounod's Faust on Opera for Everyone, we are in the prison cell with Marguerite, who has been sentenced to death, and Mephistopheles and Faust. And Faust is trying to shake off Mephistopheles. He's kind of had it with him. He wants to do what he can to save Marguerite. He realizes he's he's not been fair to her. He wants to help, but the devil's not going to give up.
1: No, and Marguerite as well sees Faust clearly in a way that she hasn't before. Her love had blinded her to his defects, <laughs> to put it mildly. But she literally says at the end of this song, why are your hands covered in blood? And she can see his soul. And that leads her to faint. She faints away. And and in fact, in most productions, it's, it's played that she dies of grief, of broken heart, of her insanity, of her actions.
0: And before she's fainted away with this clarity in understanding Faust, she's also closing off to the things that are literally around her. And she's in such reverent prayer and supplication to God that through this music, this powerful music, you feel that God's going to step in and help her.
1: It's true. It's the first time there's a real divine presence in the opera. We've had the devil throughout, but all of the prayers that people, especially Marguerite, have offered in the past have gone unanswered, really. We hear Mephistopheles answer the prayers instead. But this time, there's an idea that this has gone too far and her soul hangs in the balance. And in this moment, God steps in. There's divine intercession and her soul is taken up into heaven. Faust watches this happen. The devil
0: descends back to hell.
1: And Faust is alone, and he has—he is stuck in the middle, and we are left there. We don't really know where where he goes from there. In some I productions, he, I think he connects
0: up with the <laughs> devil again.
1: In some productions, it's much more explicit, but but he definitely can't follow her to heaven. That's for sure.
0: All right, thank you so much once again, Kathleen, and everyone. Please enjoy this last bit of music on Opera for Everyone.
2: Oh, j'ai pu...
0: listening to another episode of opera for everyone i've been your host today pat wright
1: joined by kathleen vanderwill
0: if you've enjoyed our show and would like to hear more please subscribe to the opera for everyone podcast on itunes soundcloud or wherever you get your podcasts opera can be challenging
1: but everyone loves a good story
0: and a story set to music is even better
1: our mission is to make opera understandable accessible and enjoyable because we believe Opera is
0: for everyone.